Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 16 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Sunday, February 9th. It was the re-debut of the XFL. We had New Japan New Beginning. Lots of grad school homework to get through. A lot of stuff this weekend. Busy weekend. Yeah, it was good stuff. XFL, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good product. Houston Roughnecks, let's go. No. Yeah, Wildcats were terrible. If you guys are into this XFL program, I, it's pretty good. It No. Like, I thought we were done with football for the year, and, like, I can't get a break. But your fantasy team went to the championship game, and they decided to sit Derrick Henry for the one week that you needed Derrick Henry. That hurt my soul. And then you watched Derrick Henry... After that was all over, literally carry the Tennessee Titans on his back like he did for your team to the conference championship. That's why you're a little hurt about some football. But the Houston Roughnecks, they got that win. P.J. Walker, excellent. Wildcats might be shit. You, but. you and Frank got plans to go to the home opener next year, right? Yeah, wrestling with the weasel. We're going next year. We're gonna do a podcast XFL. It's gonna be a collab thing. We're gonna do an XFL podcast next year. We'll be the first person. No one's done it yet. We're gonna jump right into that pool. No, probably not. It won't be alive, but hopefully it will. We hopefully it'll be alive. We can go next year for the opening day. Houston Roughnecks,er that's the way we're gonna go. You both have fun with that. I will not be joining, but here we are again ready to provide you all with your weekly wrestling recap. Maybe they'll do an XFL Fantasy Football League. I'm not touching that. There's not a lot of players, so I mean, you could probably only play with a handful of people, but there's only a couple guys in this league. But anyway, before we start, we want to throw a shout out to a really great clothing line, Nerds Clothing. If you haven't seen them at StarCast, they make jackets. They make bomber jacket style, almost like starter jacket, designed with tons of New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW wrestlers, including Marty Skrull, Flip Gordon. They have Pentagon, they have a Moxley jacket, and the brand new Gorillas of Destiny. Hell yeah, I've been waiting a while for this one. And you got so many compliments. No one knows the Gorillas of Destiny in your office space or in the community at, at, at the supermarket, but you got non-stop compliments on this piece of clothing. That's the thing. Yeah, I wore it to work on Friday because got to get in the weekend spirit uh, and the week on a high note. I always wear some wrestling merch and I had people coming up to me left and right just saying how cool the jacket looked. And at the supermarket, like you said, that guy was staring at me while we were in line eyeing the, the blue and red jacket. So He had his own. He was an older man with like a fire department jacket, kind of similar. He was checking you out. He's like, hey, it's a nice jacket. Everybody in the office said it was a nice jacket. Didn't know what it was, thought it was a great jacket. It's stylish, it fits well, you can wear it on top of other clothing. 
well insulated. Check it out, Nerds Clothing. They're they're really cool people. They're local people from New Jersey, just like us. We met them at Starcast. They're down to earth. They sell a great product. They have outstanding designs. Hopefully, they'll expand that design going forward with well, more wrestlers. They've done work with WWE. Yeah, they have done that. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to give them a quick shout out because I was full, like just blown away by all of the other people who were giving me compliments on. on on the merchandise. Yeah, non-wrestling individuals. And that's what they pride themselves on, making this, like, trendy, geeky apparel for, yeah, for all sometimes, these fandoms. And, and everybody knows, as much as we all are very forward and prominent with our feelings about professional wrestling, none of us really hide it, sometimes there are some shirts, there are some things that you really would like to have, but you know you can't really wear them in public. Regardless if it has designs on it that might be inappropriate, or if they're just gaudy and there's certain shirts from certain talents you're like man i really wish that i liked that design all the nerds clothing designs all their jackets really stylish awesome to take a look at so please check them out nerds clothing we will link them in the twitter we will link them in the instagram you'll show a picture of your jacket absolutely yeah they've got some cool new japan collaborations coming up the first was with the girl is a destiny but they've got more on the way um hopefully some more AEW in the future and Definitely check them out and give them a follow if you haven't already. Yeah, please do. Really good people. Work really hard. Make some really cool designs. Awesome stylish jackets. You can wear them anywhere. So this week, we do have almost too many questions, but it's a good thing. It's a great thing. You can, it's not, you, definitely not a bad thing. Definitely, definitely not, not a bad, bad thing. thing. I love interacting with everybody. So this is great. So we have a lot of great questions that we can get their opinion on, our opinion on. Hopefully they'll answer it after they listen to the podcast. They can provide their opinion on their own question, what they thought. But a lot of the questions that we did receive pertain to the dynamite that just occurred. So instead of answering some of the questions or all of the questions in this segment, we're going to actually answer some of them as we come along in the moment they occurred in Dynamite. We have a couple questions about the Cody. We have a couple questions about the tag team. So we will address those as we get along. However, we do have one that does not pertain to that. Yeah, we actually have a couple. So these are from Rob from Chicago. Uh, first question he had is, when do you think New Japan stars will begin to cross over to AEW like Moxley and Jericho have with New Japan? It's a tough one. Was the question of when or who? When. Unfortunately, as much as I enjoy watching New Japan Pro Wrestling, I made the bold prediction that I do not think that they are going to work together. You did make that at the beginning of the year, or end of the year. The queen of any good friend of ours threw out an idea a little while back about how you could have maybe some come independent of the contract. Similar to how Moxley and Jericho work in New Japan, why can't some come and work in AEW. Unfortunately, this is my opinion. Do not take this as a truth. But I don't know if that's going to happen unless New Japan kind of fails in America. Unless New Japan fails to add new fans, fails to sell tickets at the gate, doesn't get the television deal they're looking for, if all of those things don't happen, I think you can expect to see them broaden their horizon in the relationships they'd like to have and have their talent have. Prior to that occurring, I personally don't think that that's going to be happening. 
Yeah, I think the New Japan of America kind of throws a wrench in this, whatever this is. They just announced yesterday, or actually earlier this morning, the Madison Square Garden show, Wrestle Dynasty, that's going to be coming to us uh, uh, August 22nd. Yeah, we'll be able to get to see Okada again. And the Gorillas of Destiny. Well, we see the Gorillas of Destiny do a lot. The Gorillas of Destiny do something that I think a lot of other wrestlers need to take advantage of, and that's market themselves out. They go everywhere. They work. They worked in NEW. They were at ROH. I mean, they are all over the place. Yeah, Tom actually recently put a tweet out saying, you know, we need new challengers. Name name their name them and their company. And I was like, literally the entire AEW tag division. Right. And so I mean. Who do I want to see? The Gorillas of Destiny in AEW. Duh. Um, but it's a hard one to answer because obviously no one really knows. Who would I think would fit the best? I mean, Minoru Suzuki? After were... last night, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I, I, yeah, I think he's someone who could fit in quite nicely. I, I would like to see Sonata. I like Sonata. I feel that the booking... Of Sonata in New Japan has been so odd. I I want to talk about that when we kind of cover the New Beginning show with his Jay White match. Okay, don't forget though. I won't. Okay, but he might be given a new life kind of coming to AEW given a different platform. Because in New Japan he doesn't speak much, doesn't cut much promo. He doesn't get on the mic, he doesn't, you know, even when they did finish the Hammerstein Ballroom show... It was evil. evil who did the closing promo to tell us in New York City that it was getting dark. It was amazing. It was a very good promo. But in that respect, Sonata doesn't get enough of that uh, connection to the audience in that way. So I think AEW could be a way for him to kind of step out of that and springboard himself. So I, I'd like to see a guy like that with untapped potential almost get an opportunity on a different platform. Sonata would be cool. Uh, I, I think the Bullet Club would have a lot of potential. They have that edgy, bad boy rep that I think could kind of work well Well, it works with the TV 14 platform, yeah. right? Jay White's really stepped out of his shell and, and kind of given that for sure. different attitude for to sure. leadership in that. And, and that's good for him. I'm glad that his characters developed very well. Kent is excellent. The Girls Destiny are awesome. Love it. And then on top it. of that, the Girls Destiny are such great people. So, I mean, they go out there, they do so much for the fans. So, I mean, you can't really say anything wrong about them. They're the best. Yeah. They're really one of the best really. in the business, if not if not the best in the business of the fans and everybody else. So, if you haven't had a chance to meet them yet, you should take that opportunity. Absolutely. So, I mean, when do I think? I, I would like to say sooner rather than later, but unfortunately, we don't really know. Time yeah, will tell, I, I don't guess. think it'll happen for a minute, but we can all be surprised, and I'd like to be surprised. Uh, oh, for sure. It's a great sure. thing about wrestling. For sure. Anything can happen. The next question is, will we see more intergender team-ups in AEW? And I'm actually really glad that this question came up because we didn't get a chance to talk about the intergender match from The Cruise, which actually aired on Dark this week. Because we actually missed it. I know, and I was super, super bummed. Uh, yeah, we missed it. I immediately it. regretted it that that we didn't go, and I'm so glad that they that they aired it on dark. 
the match was fantastic. Yeah, it was a really good match, and I liked the way that they worked with the men and the women together. It wasn't just a mixed tag match. It was truly intergender, because you don't really know. I mean, AEW kind of shied away from the men versus the women, so when they advertised the intergender match, I didn't know what to expect. I know what intergender wrestling is, but I didn't know how AEW's version of it was going to be. It was going to be more mixed tag or right. intergender. And mm-hmm. it was very intergender, mm-hmm. and I thought they worked the match very, very well. Riho looked great. Penelope Ford looked great working against the guys. I mean, they sold really well. Rio trying to lift up Kip Sabian a couple times. I mean, I thought it was really well orchestrated. And I know that it meant a lot to Kenny Omega to get this match to happen and to go over as well as it did and have such a great reception the way it did that I am disappointed that we missed it. We tried to take advantage of not having all the people at the spa and kind of at the gym and kind of take advantage of some of the amenities on this beautiful cruise ship. Because there's there's so much to do all hours of the day that... And so much wrestling. Twice a day you had wrestling. You had concerts multiple times a day. So we thought if we just kind of skirted out when everybody was watching the wrestling show, we could kind of avoid all the people and relax a little bit. But we missed one of the best matches of the entire cruise. I know, but I am glad that we got the chance to see it. And I can tell you that you know, talk around the ship, people were raving about this. So the reception to the match on the cruise and then online from what I saw was very positive. Yeah, very positive. So, I, I have nothing bad to say about that. That was a very good match. I would say, you know, given the fact that not too long ago we we were talking about how this didn't seem like it was a possibility in AEW and then we had this happen, I think... I would like to think we'll be seeing more of these matches in the future. And I hope so. And I hope we could see more Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Yeah. I, I've been promoting them for as long as we've had this podcast. I know. you're. I want to see them, love them wrestle more. I, they were great that they were on the Dynamite this week. For sure. Um, Rob had actually thrown out Kip and Penelope versus potentially uh, Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander, which is a interesting relationship that's been that's a dark match that's an AEW dark match if i saw that as a headliner i'd hope that that was a dark youtube match no offense to anybody but i can't imagine the match being of any significant length it would be funny and very enjoyable but i couldn't see how it would go over five minutes if orange cassidy was just giving his aew level shtick if he was not working you know what i'm saying it would be interesting to see how it, it would be structured, but I think that's a team. It would that be could, fun, though. That could definitely a team. Work. I mean, it's definitely a team. It would be fun. He's her leader, right? Is that what we're what's happening? I he commands attention from Chris Statlander, and it's she's it, an alien, and he's Orange Cassidy. It's extremely interesting to watch, and it's fun. It's fun. No, but that would be a unique matchup. That'd be a great pairing. I, I hope. I certainly hope that we get more of these in in the near future. Yeah, I, I do as well. Brandy and Cody could do it. Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander, which is one of the more humorous storylines going on in BTE that you kind of have to pay attention for. You get excited to see it. Penelope and Kip Sabian, of course. So I'm trying to think. What other ones? Well, Kenny and Riho, they worked together. Right. I'm trying not to put, like, relationships here, but maybe just friendships together. Well, yeah, of course. Well, it's easy to link two and two together, but... I'll team with Joey Janela. Yeah, of course. Well, Joey, you could to fight, fight me. you. <laughs> You're going to fight me with Joey? I'll You're going to be in his him. corner. I'll manage him. Holy shit. I would need a manager then. You're not going to be the manager. You're going to be Joey's manager. 
he'll hear this and be like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> this is nonsense. Priscilla Kelly and Darby Allen. That's I try a, not to name relationships, but I did it anyway. That's another one. But anyway. Last question that Rob had was, can we get Yuka or Baker in a faction with the boys? As in they're in the like inner circle? Is that the kind of context of the question? Like Britt Baker joins the inner circle? Is that how you interpreted it? I don't know if he necessarily meant in like the inner circle, but I like the concept of integrating the men and women together in some of these factions. Like we've talked about before with like Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford being a unit. Like the right to censor? Did I just like shoot that over your head there? You don't remember them? No, that that was before my time. Well, they were kind of like a jobber gimmick. I don't want to call them jobbers, but they were more like hardcore championship level. It's like Val Venus, but like Ivory was in there and they came out because they didn't like the lewd acts of the Attitude Era and they were kind of like shutting down all these... No? Well, they had Ivory who was... Well, Stevie Richards was kind of the leader, I believe, but Ivory was a very dominant force in that faction, and it was as if you wouldn't have realized that she was a woman or male. There was no gender specific in that faction, and everybody worked really, really well, considering what it was used for. I thought it was a very good integration of men and women. So we could definitely see something like that. I don't see why that wouldn't work. No, I think it would be cool. Shake things up. Um, We kind of saw at the end of Dynamite not to jump too far ahead, but when, when MJF was giving the lashes, you had all the bad guys on stage, Butcher and Blade and Bunny and and, and Britt. And so, you know, you kind of have that. Not that that's not a faction by any means, but you have the bad guys banding together versus the good guys. I mean, it, it, it could work in, in one yeah, way Yeah, I or guess another. MJF, Wardlow, Butcher, Blade and Bunny, that's a group. And I guess yeah. the, dark, the Dark Order doesn't have to target only men. No. So... But I mean, that's just expansive talk for the future. That's off not of right what's now, already here. Yeah, sure, they don't have to only target men. I mean, that could but, all be fine. But I like the idea of getting Yuka or Brit specifically. I thought Yuka involved. was great. We'll talk about Yuka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, But I thought she was great. Absolutely. But that actually brings us to the end of our first set of questions. As you mentioned, Rich, as we get through the recap, we have a couple more that we'll be answering, but. Just a quick thank you to Rob. Those questions were awesome. Uh, I know we can't really give answers. We can only give speculation and opinion, but it's fun to think about those things, and I appreciate you reaching out with those. Yeah, and after you listen to the pod with your questions, send us the response of what you thought of the answer of your question, what you were thinking. And that's why you asked it, you know, what your opinion was. That way we can interact and engage. Yeah, let's keep talking. What do you think? Or anything else? Just always, as always, let us know. Um, But with that, we'll go ahead and get started with this week's Dynamite Recap. So first and foremost, this was a very story-driven show. It was a very good show. It was an excellent show. It was a very, very good show. I enjoyed it from top down. Absolutely. We open up with... Are two madmen, Moxman versus Ortiz with Santana. This wasn't as crazy as it could have been, considering who was in the ring. Well, I mean, Mox flew from Japan. I know to he Alabama. had a very busy, very busy. Week. Then he jumps back on a plane 
to go for the pay-per-view or the the special. I don't know if they run it pay-per-view style, and they'll be watching on New Japan World, so I'm going to call it a pay-per-view. They go back for the pay-per-view, which was Sunday. So what was he really expected to do in that week? You're right. Probably exhausted. I think of them as like two different entities. Like there's New Japan Mox, and then there's AEW Mox. So I guess you're right. I didn't even think about everything he had going on in totality. Um, But all in all, I thought the two paired very well together. Yeah, I mean, it was a solid B. I mean, nothing crazy, nothing over the top, but nothing was bad about the match. I thought it was good. I gave it a B plus. Um, you know, you had Santana at ringside. So again, last week we were talking about the the use of managers and the use of these allies. And, you know, there was a little bit of involvement with the numbers game, Santana and Ortiz versus versus Mox. And then you had Jericho and Sammy on commentary with Hager standing behind them at ringside. And the whole time, uh, obviously, because we can hear them commentating, I'm thinking, well, at any moment, they can come down to the ring. Like, but when- I love that aspect. I love having all of them individually together as much as they're independent. It's For like Ortiz sure. is wrestling, but they're all there. It gets everybody on television. It shows that Moxley is not only challenging Jericho for the AEW World Championship, he is challenging the inner circle. He is trying to take down the most dominant faction in AEW because the elite has basically taken down itself. Right. So the inner circle is the only dominant faction left, and he is taking them down one by one. Now, the big question is, will Moxley make it to Revolution? He had to go through Guevara. He went through Ortiz. He's going to have to go through Santana now. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he's going to have to go through Santana. Is he going to be worn out after Suzuki also by the time Revolution comes around? It's a very, very fair question. And you, you touched on it a little bit. We're getting an eye patch match an next eye week. Eye patch match. Um, so Mox goes eye for an eye, decides to assault Santana and blinds him basically and then next week they're going to duel it out um by the end of that match that someone better be like fully bandaged up yeah i need double (laughs) double eye patches um but on that note as you just mentioned he's working his way through the inner circle which is a common theme with his new japan story where he's working his way through suzuki goon but we'll get to that later is he gonna end up wrestling hager maybe I'd like to see Hager go. I mean, we've kind of been watching Hager, but we're not getting anything out of him. I mean, he's funny. He's the big hurt. He's intimidating. He was fantastic on the cruise. For sure. So nice to the fans. The guy guy is having a really good time, but let's see him wrestle a little bit. I want to see him face Dustin, but let's see him wrestle a little bit. He broke Dustin's arm, and we haven't gotten that match yet. I want to see them go at it. Let's do this shit. It's a slow build. Um, no, really but, slow build. But that's something I thought of. Uh, I don't know if that's the direction they're going. If if Hager's going to be one of the last challenges before Jericho at Revolution. But yeah, you you summed it up perfectly. Mo- it's Mox versus the Inner Circle, and th- there was no one in his corner. And as we talked about, I mean, you know, he came out to Darby's defense. Karaoke Bond is strong, but you don't really know who's on his side. I don't know if he really has anyone on his side at this point, except Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, he made that abundantly clear. God bless. But I'm looking forward to this eye patch match for sure. Next up, we had SCU versus Best Friends. 
So I want to plug a little piece here. This match was fine. Thought it was a B. Again, solid B. Uh, served its purpose. SCU, the former AEW World Tag Team Champions, get a win over Best Friends, another contending team. Now, could Best Friends have gotten the win here? Yes, they could have. It could have been better for Best Friends to get the win over SCU, but SCU was number one ranked. They probably deserve another title shot, which they're going to get next week in Austin. But one piece I wanted to put in before I forgot, and SCU was the reason I thought of it. On the cruise, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but Nick Jackson basically said they wanted to maybe introduce a six-man tag title. And we discussed here on the podcast what, a couple of weeks ago, not necessarily about introducing a six-man title, but maybe they needed something else, whether or not it was the titles kind of switching hands, or if like you almost had like a mid-card tag team championship, something that doesn't exist. But that was something interesting that he brought up. I don't remember if I brought that up. And it could maybe give some of the other guys, the other tag teams, something else to fight for and also kind of diversify what you're seeing on television consistently. You kind of get Jurassic Express involved, SCU involved, you know, the hybrid two maybe can get a, a third and, and, and join that. Division or the mix. Of, yeah, division yeah. or mix or, or, or whatever. So, you know, it was just something I wanted to chime in. But what do you think about the match? You, you already you touched on it. Um, I thought the match was solid. Two very great teams, great competitors. I thought this was the place for best friends to get a win because otherwise you start to fall into obscurity. Um, I, I see why they did it, though, at the end because, as you just noted, next week, SCU is getting a rematch for the tag team titles against Hangman and, and Kenny. So without the win, they wouldn't have been in that position based on the, the rankings. But I just I thought the loss hurt best friends and and they need to get a win really soon yeah what are they doing with them is the bigger question i don't know they're a legitimate tag team trent bretta is a very good wrestler i chuck taylor is good at what he does and orange cassidy is super over they're they're a good team i guess that could be a six-man team right there that could be a six-man team um i need to see trent versus scorpio sky in a singles match like very soon yeah because i feel like that would kick ass but I don't know. They they need to get a win. They need to get a win soon. This tag division, as we've talked about, is so loaded with competition that it's really hard for everyone to like be at the top. You can only have your top five. But I I think the wins and losses need to be more competitive. Well, I guess that's where the six man tag team championships would kind of play a role here because then best friends maybe with Orange Cassidy wouldn't even be classified as a tag team. They'd be a six-man team. So the wins and losses on their base would be different. And weekly, we wouldn't necessarily always get a tag team championship thing. We would get a six-man tag team championship thing. And there's really no better way to kick off a pay-per-view than to open up with a little SCU, right? You can never go wrong. Never go wrong with a little SCU opening the show. And we did that at Double or Nothing with SCU versus, I believe, the OWE, which was Shima and the other two that he was with that we haven't seen. And strong Hearts? The Strong Hearts, that's it. And that would have been great as a six-man championship match. Because the match was very solid. SCU champions defend the belts, open the show, everybody's excited. Then we can kind of roll into our second part. I, I don't think the six-man tag team championships are a bad thing, even though 
in the other iterations of it, whether or not it's in some of the independent companies or even in New Japan, it's very undervalued. Yeah, it's a little risky. It has to be done correctly. But I think with some of the things you just laid out, there there are a lot of combinations, legitimate combinations you could put together. In to AEW, make it work. there's yeah. more legitimate combinations than not. So, you know, Marco Stunt. teams aplenty. Right. Marco Stunt, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy versus SCU. That's a great match. And for the six man tag titles, you really can't go wrong. Now, I gave this match and segment itself a B. Um,. There was a Dark Order beatdown at the end, and I thought this worked perfectly. Um, Ties into them against SCU. Exactly. Hints Christopher Daniels. They fucking laid out Orange Cassidy. Stu Grayson oh, annihilated Orange Cassidy. CD had to come running to his defense, but I don't know where this is going, but I find it really captivating because, you know, CD's this... He's not old, but he, he, you know, he's a ring veteran. They're playing on that botch that happened in his match with Penta. And it, it's like he's losing himself. And the Dark Order's trying to prey on the weak. And, and he's trying to sacrifice himself, essentially, to save Orange Cassidy and to save his friends. And it, it, it's like, is he going to join? Is he not? Is he actually involved? Back on the BTE last week, they found a mask in his bag. Um, easily could have been planted there by the Dark Order, but... Who knows if he's playing along with them? I mean, they could go so many directions, but I find it I find it interesting, and I like the fact that it's CD because it's like you sympathize with him. Like I feel bad that they're going after him. And some people, especially in today's day and age, don't understand his versatility as a wrestler. My God, I mean, he he's has done encompassed like so many characters everything. and stories and everything. If you're not familiar with him in TNA, I mean, go back and just just watch it. I mean, he is such. He's encompassed everything, and he's. He's an enthralling talent. I mean, Christopher Daniels is literally the ageless one. As much as now he's got a little older, he's still the ageless one. He still puts on very good matches when he's tasked to. His match against Sammy Guevara, still yeah. really good. Do you think he'll join? I have no idea. I'm just watching it. I, don't have, I really don't have an opinion on it. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with it. Because it kind of seems like they're taking little turns. When you think they're going to go one way, they turn the other way. So I'm just... Keeps it interesting. Along for the ride on this one. We'll see what happens. This was followed up with Dr. Britt versus Yuka Sakazaki, who made her dynamite debut. It was nice to have her back because we haven't seen her in a while. And I know uh, a lot of people were really pumped to to have her on the show. Yeah. And, and again, she's exciting. She's fast paced. She's energetic the crowd likes her the match itself with Britt Baker I thought was a B they had a really good segment in there where she put on like the mandible claw but that's not what it is it's the lockjaw after she stomped Yuka Sakazagi's mouth on the bottom rope like a curb stomp and like busted her teeth out yeah I, I actually love this whole thing um Yuka is fantastic I thought her getting a win over Dr. Britt was very important it continues the down cycle of Britt Baker. Continues the down, the down cycle of, of Britt Baker, but it also adds depth and more experience to the women's division. And we've talked about each week how they're, they're gaining more life and, and they're getting better and better. And I think giving her that win, you immediately elevate her to another level over Dr. Britt, who even or though she's... Or at least into that level. Into that level, yeah. Because Dr. Britt has been in the most women's championship matches and even though she's 
lost matches, I think they showed her statistics. She's been on a roll her past few she's matches. She's won a lot of matches. Absolutely. Regardless of what you think about her, she's won a lot of matches, just not title matches. Just not the title matches. So she's an established woman to get a win over. That's a, what I would say a high-quality win. Um, but not only did Yuka win, Britt had that brutal beatdown at the end, which makes her look like this evil dentist, this angry, evil dentist. And I thought the whole thing worked. No one looked bad in the segment, and I gave it an A. Yeah, it was good. It worked really well. I thought that that little trickery of the tooth coming out, I really thought it happened. I know, you I you like, were oh like, oh, God. that's she lost her tooth, and she's like, bleeding. Like, fucked and... up. Like, she just busted her fucking mouth in that rope. Like, yeah. She made her good. bite it. And... It was really, yeah, really good. Was... Really, really good. I liked that a lot cringy in like the best way it's like oh shit she actually I liked that piece a lot she lost her tooth real reality is is good you gotta right? blend those lines and that Absolutely. was really good all right so moving on here we had the elite versus the butcher of the blade with the bunny and the lucha bros you have a couple questions with this segment that we'll get into the first is uh, for, from J.R.J. McClure. Is it fair to assume that the Bucks versus Omega and Paige will be a tag title match at Revolution? I'm going to say yes. I agree. I, I think that's the direction that this is going in. So I think it should go in that direction. I really don't think that they should try to elongate this story. I think this story should go to Revolution. They should break the part, Hangman and Kenny... And then gear that feud up for double or nothing in May. That's my opinion. I think that the direction of it is obviously to have the Bucks take out Hangman and Kenny at some point. But I believe it should culminate at Revolution. I think that seems like like the right time and place. Um, I just don't know how much longer you can go on with the dissent between the two teams. Because Hangman cost them the match here. Right. And I don't know if this match counts necessarily because it was an eight-man tag, so I don't know if it counts in the rankings or anything like that because I know that Hangman, they did eat the loss there. I don't know if it took down or brought the Lucha Brothers up or anything like that. So in this match, though, it obviously set up SCU, the number one team. Makes sense. It's going to challenge back for their tag titles. In my opinion, Hangman and Kenny are going to win. There's going to be a tag team gauntlet in which I would assume the Bucks are going to win, which I think would be the right decision. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And then they would both gear up going into Revolution. On top of that, Kenny Omega is going to take on Pack, which we'll address a little bit later, in a 30-minute Ironman match the week prior to Revolution, which could be one of the reasons that they don't defend the belts against the Bucks. Another piece of that puzzle. I mean, you get worn out by Pack. Pack is going to cost you your tag team championships. That's what Pack's whole goal is. He doesn't give a crap about anybody else. He almost wants to just terrorize people. Yeah, there's a lot of overlapping stories here. Um, I mean, that's but good they're shit. All intertwined. It because it, it makes better sense when you put them all together. Pack is going after Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega can't focus on Pack because he's got the World Tag Team Championships, which is causing further dissent between him and his friends and, and his friends and, and Hangman and his partner. Um, but before we get into that, because that's actually going to lead us to our next question, touching on the match itself, this was crazy. I mean, the match was the, the match was an A. Yeah, in I gave this it an A. Ring. I I didn't know where to look. There's shit happening every which way. Um, you had touched on 
during the match on, on Bunny's theatrics outside the ring when when her boys are getting beat up. And I thought that that just adds another element to the match. That's what you said. When you have to scout for a wrestler, you got to pay attention to who else they have with them. Absolutely. Like, so Bunny's part of this match. She's part of this eight-man tag team match. Bunny's there. She's part of it. Yeah, this this was just action-packed, high-paced, and what did you expect? I mean, look again, who was in the ring? I give the match itself an A. Um, there's really not much more to say about it. At the end, you had already touched on it. We had Pac coming in with another video package trying to get Kenny to accept the rubber match. And the way he ends up winning him over is basically threatening to assault Riho, which Kenny accepts. He's not going to let that happen. But at the end of the segment, it, it results in... Nyla Rose, uh, the number one contender for the women's championship, throwing Riho on a table. Do you like how much the Riho and Kenny thing is advertised on TV? The connection between the two? Since it's not like they're advertised as like Brandy and Cody or Kip and Penelope where they're a team, where like, you know, she's a manager or whatever. Obviously there's an affiliation, but do you like how they're being associated with one another? even though they're not really together on screen much outside of the intergender thing. And even how we got to the intergender thing. Just kind of, he's clearly protecting her for some reason, some shape or form. We don't really know why. We don't really know why they're together. We don't really know why they're connected. Well, this goes back to the first Dynamite episode. Right, it does. After Riho won the championship, Nyla viciously assaulted her and Kenny came to her defense. And why? There wasn't really a, I, I, I mean, we know it's obviously because Kenny was the one that went and scouted them and said that he was close to her and close to Emmy and close to Yuka. Like, you know, he talked about, you know, wanting to bring them here. He's close with he, the, the Joshi scouting. Right. He, he, he spoke about that and, and that was part of the program. Like, I, I totally understand that, but he doesn't come to save Hikaru Shida. He doesn't come to save Yuka Sakazaki. I mean, she hasn't needed to be saved. I mean, she got the lockjaw put on her. And so... The Riho connection is very obvious. The Riho connection through the intergender thing is very obvious. But why is more of my question. Maybe, maybe it can't be answered right now. Yeah, I don't know what the, the relationship is, but there's a definite connection. We, we've seen it on uh, some of the BTEs and on the video packages that they've done. Um, they're close. They are close, and I don't have a problem with that. No, no, it's just... I- why? Where does it come from? What is the connection? Maybe I missed it. Maybe it's me. Maybe you guys listening, maybe you guys know the answer to that. Maybe you know, maybe they put it in a program that I missed. Maybe it happened to be like that. And I missed it and now I'm speaking because I don't know the answer. But it was just a question of they're connected. We know they are, but kind of why? Why are they connected? What is the basis of their relationship, their friendship, you know, whatever it is? She's not his manager. He's not her manager. They don't, you they know, did, connect. They did do an intergender teaming over in Japan. They did do that, yeah, but that's not necessarily canon, is it, to the AEW universe, I guess you could say? My worlds blend together. I saw it on I know. social media, I, so and, I, don't, and again, I don't recall. I, we understand how wrestling works, We're not, but we're trying to tell the story of what AEW gives you. So if this is happening... And obviously, for some reason, and we all accept that Riho and Kenny are, are close. 
they're friends. They care sort. about one another. Mm-hmm. We we know this. And 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 Michael Nakazawa, we know this. Michael Nakazawa's relationship with Kenny was obviously through BTE. We told that story. They're close with the Fighter Fest, if you remember. They're video game friends. That you know they're connected in that way. But kind of with Rio, we don't really have that same like friendship build. So I'm just wondering if maybe I missed something. I'd have to go back and and really dig through everything to see, but I've just always associated the two of them Yeah, we've together. kind of accepted it without a fault, but yeah. I just wondered why. That's all, just why. I don't know, but I feel like we're going to see more of it. Definitely more, and maybe they'll they'll tell us yeah. why. But this leads to the second question from J.R.J. McClure of, is this the right time for Nyla to take the championship from Riho? That's tough. It is tough. Because we were kind of against the whole Riho train, as she wasn't around a lot, and we were kind of ready for the change. However, I kind of like the story that Riho's in now. I kind of like the connection, as much as I don't really know what the basis of the connection is with Kenny Omega. I like the feud with Nyla Rose. I like how they're kind of gunning for her. I I don't know. I don't know. I What would Nyla's direction be after this? You know, Riho's the champion. She keeps defending. She keeps taking on who comes after her. But with Nyla, it's kind of, well, who comes after the Beast then? It would definitely put the women's division in a bit of a tough position because Nyla is so dominant that it's like, who's going to take the championship from her? Yeah. But that's something I would definitely be be interested in seeing. Like I've talked about before, I want to see Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose in a singles match preferably with weapons because I think they could fuck each other up. Um, and Nyla's a great wrestler. Don't get oh, me wrong. Oh, a- absolutely. But on the flip side of that... Are we ready for a year-long Nyla Rose run? Because I think it should be a dominant title run. It would have to be. Yeah. Because you, you can't just have someone come in and upset her because that's right. not what... And and Riho is kind of gone probably about four months. Pretty good reign. But on the flip side of that, uh, what I was going to say is... I don't know if Nyla should lose to Riho again because look at the size difference. I agree. Like, and it always felt like the first time she kind of got one over on Nyla and that's why she was so frustrated and attacked her in the first place. Yeah, and it, that was a great match. It was that, a good that match. First very, very good match. It was yeah. very good. Um, but we've seen Nyla become more aggressive and more hungry and, and like you said, frustrated. So I, I feel like this is the right time for her to come in and take the championship. Does she get a third time again? Like, if she loses this time? Like- I don't even think it's about that. It's Yes, it's the right time for her to come in and take the championship. Nyla's a great wrestler. She's going to put on some really good matches. It's going to be very diverse with the size difference she has with many of them. However, Riho goes on a four-month reign and loses the championship at Revolution, let's just say. That's kind of a longer title reign in its own sense. Are we ready for another long title reign? That's going to be more of a question on the fans. Obviously, it's different because she's a bad guy. They can hate her, and that's going to sell well. But in the Rio aspect, it doesn't work as well because they started turning on her, and she wasn't really a bad guy. So obviously it would work, but are the fans ready for another longer title reign if Nyla gets it? Because if Nyla gets it, she's going a distance with it. Well, I think she'd have to, but I guess she doesn't necessarily have to. Like, no, then, you know, then you're, then you're just know. fantasy booking. So, I mean, it, I it's... Know. I don't know. I, I think it's the right time for JRJ's question. I think it's the right time for Nyla to win because I just think Nyla has earned that spot. 
and it would be very interesting to see Nyla work with a lot of these different styles of women and the size differences and the stories they could tell. Yeah, I, I think it would be very interesting, and it's something I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing. I give all of that an A. I don't remember if I gave it a grade, but I give everything that happened in that segment and that match an A. Uh, after that, we had a singles match. Uh, my boy Joey Janela versus Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford. I hope this isn't the end of the feud. Yeah, why don't we just blow this off on a dynamite in the early February? I fucking hope not, because I wanted to see this at Revolution. Yeah, I, I liked the story as it was kind of building, and we had a lot of the play-in, and, and Janela's like, I don't fucking care about Penelope Ford, yet he does. And he cares about the fact that this is happening, but he's just like, fuck them, like, I don't fucking care about them. But he does, so I hope at Revolution they go into like a hardcore match or something, because I don't feel like this is over, and if it is, it was very anticlimactic. If this was the end, yes, this was very anticlimactic. Uh, the match was cool. P- Penelope took a bump from JoJo, which ended up helping Kip get the win. So again, important involvement of the managers in the ring. Um, she was stumbling off uh, after the match up the ramp because she hurt her, I think, ankle. Or I don't know. She did get bump, injured, though. She... she was kind of carried off by Kip Sabian. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I thought... That was cool. That, I guess, leaves the door open for the feud to continue because she got hurt at the hands of Joey Janela. But, yeah, I just, I hope this isn't it. Yeah. I feel like there's still... Because I give the match a C+. It was, it was okay. And it just felt disappointing if that was it. So I, I hope that they get to Revolution and they can put on a hardcore match of some sort or false count anywhere or something. Because, you know, Joey Janela is extremely creative and Kip Sabian, I think, needs a new platform show. He can do that, too. And I, because I like Kip Sabian, I think he has a, a great look. I think he's got a good character. I, Kip Sabian has a lot of talent. So I want to see them both. And Joey Janelle is very, very creative. So let's put these two together and see what we can conjure up for pay per view. And, and it kind of excites me. So hopefully it's not over. For sure. Yeah, I give it a B. I thought it was solid, but there's a lot of loose ends that kind of leave me uncomfortable. Like I don't know where this is going to go. I feel like it might be over. And I don't like that. But we will see. This brings us now to the main event segment of the evening, which was the long-awaited lashing. MJF and Wardlow lashed Cody Rhodes with a leather belt in the middle of the ring. It's not something I thought that I'd see in 2020 in the main event of a wrestling show, lashing of another wrestler. I liked it. So before we get into that, this is actually our last question of of the episode. Uh, Miguel had asked, how did we feel during these lashes from MJF? So I'll let you pick it up there. We're going to actually counter Miguel with another question, and we'll be able to answer the question with the answer to a question you asked me, if that makes any sense. We're going to counter Miguel's question with a question, and I'm going to be able to answer both questions at the same time. And the question that you asked me was, could you do that? And I said to you, yeah, fuck me up, man. If you're going to task me to go out there and take lashes, I'd be like, you better fucking hit me as hard as you can. You better make this look as good as possible, and you better lash the shit out of me in the main event of a show. And then you said, no, no, I meant, could you hit somebody else that way? And I said to you, oh, no, 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 probably not. But you can hit me. But no, no, I, I don't know if I could do it. And so my emotion kind of lays on the, I really liked the segment 
because it was different, it was unique, it was classic, it was southern wrestling, even the eye for the eye. I remember a couple of months ago, I was watching a Dusty promo, how they cut his eye out, and he said, you know, you made the biggest mistake, and you left me with limbs. You left me with arms and legs to take your eye. You left me alive. And that's the Moxley, it's the whole mantra. I mean, you left him with his limbs. You took his eye, but you didn't take Moxley. And it was the same kind of dusty roads. I think it was from like 86. But it was a really good promo. And I know there, you know, you can rehash it. It's great stuff. People weren't around to see that stuff. I just happen to be a little bit of a historian. But it was a great promo. And this segment with the lashes is such a throwback to a different era. And it's something that WWE just doesn't do this kind of stuff. And as much as people thought maybe it was vulgar, it was insensitive, it was tough to watch, I thought it was really good. And it kind of comes to my piece on Cody where I think he's doing things that traditional wrestling historically provides. Like the chair shot. I loved the chair shot spot. And I might be in the minority for it. I know it's insensitive, but if I'm in that position... Hit me as hard as you fucking can, because let's make this thing look really, really good. And I thought that MJF tried really hard to whip Cody the best that he could. Maybe he could have had some more Wardlow ones, because those seem to be like, oh God, you know, Wardlow's coming in, let him whack him a little bit. And But Wardlow did get his shots. The only gripe I had was maybe having like a thicker belt, just for presentation purposes, like a leather strap. But what did you think? I can't stop thinking about the segment itself. Um, well, when I woke up on Wednesday, this probably sounds so stupid, but I, I had the same, you know, thought as you. I'm like, today's the day, like where we're actually going to see Cody get whipped in the middle of the ring. And like, it was emotional, and it was visceral, and they kind of broke the fourth wall a little bit. Like I, it was good. It's not that I didn't expect it to happen, but like. I don't know, just when Wednesday hit, I was like, okay, like, this, this is, this is it. And then, you know, the show was great, we, we, we made our way through it, and then the main event happened, and I, like, legitimately got so anxious, if you recall. I had, like, so much anxiety over this moment, and it, it, it was uncomfortable to watch, in a sense. It was, it was intense, it was, it was brutal. You had the locker room out there watching Cody's closest friends and family are coming out one by one to you know give him support which I liked a lot because it blended the lines of reality and kayfabe when Brandy came out and she's crying on the way on the way down the ramp that like punched me in the stomach because I was like oh my god like she's watching her husband get fucking like embarrassed and beat in the middle of the ring and like that made me emotional and the true wrestler in the soul is when she gets up really close to cody and she says make sure that he fucking hits you hard right. and even though she's crying and everybody's looking at it she can't see what she's saying the me would be make sure he hits you fucking harder because this is looking great <laughs> this is good shit <laughs> that's that right. kind of thing because there's many moments where i'm getting hit by somebody or whatever it is and you're kind of like Hit me harder, because this is going to look good if we do this right. Well, and that was one of the things, yes, you, you're right there, um, but just 
breaking that fourth wall, bringing that element of reality, and that really resonated with me. But you just touched on a fear that I had is I didn't want the segment to look bad. Yeah. And it's not that I didn't have faith in, in the men in the ring, but it's like, God, just let these whips look good because you, you I didn't want people to turn away or start shitting on it because it's like, oh, well, that wasn't what it was supposed that was to cheesy. be. Like, like the like, Nightmare Collective thing where Luther kind of held back the punch and it was, it's like, I don't want it to look cheesy. You know, you can do a lash, do it then. If you're going to do it, do it. And Bully Ray said, give it to him, right? Isn't that what Bully said? I think something he was along like, those lay lines. it in yeah. because it's got to look good. And I always remember Roddy Piper saying, I'd rather you knock me the fuck out than not hit me at all. Because at least we can do something with that. And MJF laid it on them, and they had great graphic pictures of it. It was an A+. It was an A+. Absolute A+. I thought, as, as like weird as it was, and as emotional and, and intense as it was, I think it did work perfectly. I kind of had the same thought as you at first, where maybe we have a bigger belt. I was envisioning Cody's weight belt. Right, yeah. But then... Might not have left the same marks. No, and I think the the smaller belt or you know Cody's suit belt, it just it worked out the way it was supposed to. It's Cody's belt. He got whipped by his own suit belt. Yeah, yeah. Because um, MJF wanted that one, not the one that he was wearing. But again, this whole story with Cody is really, really good. You unpack it from the top down, and he's going against Chris Jericho, and he wants this AEW World Championship so bad. He puts the AEW World Championship chance on the line for his career. MJF is the sole reason that Cody cannot compete for the AEW world title again. Cody is pissed at his former friend who turned on him. MJF's like, I mean, I don't even have to give you shit. You put me in that position, bud. Wasn't me. I don't have to give you dick. And Cody comes out and throws everything he has. If it's his watch, if it's his shoes, if it's money, anything you want, MJF, I need to get my fucking hands on you. And he just wants Cody's humiliation. And he goes, well, maybe. But we'll get there if you can even make it there. And at that point, MJF is arrogant, cocky. I'm the reason that Cody can't do it. I'm the best. I'm better than you, and you know it. And I'm going to lash you. And then in Atlanta, in front of your family, you're going to face Wardlow in a steel cage. And remember, a steel cage they used to tout as a very important match. It could take years off of your life and career. And Cody's going to be in Atlanta in front of his friends and family and challenge Wardlow just to get to Revolution. We don't know what type of shape Cody's going to be when he gets there. And that's why this story's so good. And with AEW, they give you that drama and that deep, rich connection of story. At the same time, Moxley and Santana, someone's going to have no eyes <laughs> when we leave well, next week. That's dramatic in its own sense. I'm getting my eye patch match. But <laughs> <laughs> There's an eye patch match um, at the same time that Cody is wowing the audience and in awe as he's getting whipped. It's a great story and it, they just give you everything you ask for. Yeah, the roller coaster of emotions that you can experience in this two hours on Wednesday nights is unbelievable. But I thought this segment, I thought it was perfect. Um, Co or MJF hits that last lash 
Cody collapses. He hits him with a cheap shot, which I loved. It was such a cowardly move, but you know, he, he hits him with a cheap well, shot. Pissed. Him and Wardlow. Cody made it through. Him and Wardlow run out the ring and up the ramp and I thought that he still looked so strong and so dominant in this segment. And Cody looked as strong as he looked for making it through the lashes. He was so broken down and defeated. And he looked weak almost, despite making it through. Which is what I was saying. He's going to have to survive this to get his retribution and his revenge against MJF. And as you mentioned a few weeks back, MJF has to win a revolution. Yeah, he does. He has to. Yep, we want the fans to feel Cody's emotion, get connected to Cody, and then get your heart ripped out by the worst bad guy in the business, or the best bad guy in the business, I guess you could say, but the, the worst person on the history of the earth. You raise all the emotions and you rip their fucking heart out, and that's why MJF's going to beat him. Has to be done. Whose side are you on? I, I, I want to feel good. Wrestling's about feeling, right? Wrestling will solve all problems. Wrestling is a magnificent art form, okay? And I am going to get on Cody so I can have my heart ripped out because I watch it to feel it to invest in it. Everybody needs to check some things at the door and just enjoy what you watch. And it's great storytelling. I bought an MJF shirt. Yeah. That I'm going to be wearing to Revolution. Yeah. yeah. Well, New Beginnings we watched. <laughs> That's the end of Dynamite, our Dynamite recap. Uh, but yes, we did watch New Japan, New Beginning. And we have a question kind of for everybody as we kind of get through this. I mean, New Japan, New Beginning in Osaka. As everybody knows how New Japan's kind of structured, it's a lot of multi-man tag team matches, and then you kind of get the four or five main card matches. But the question here we have is, do you want to listen to us talk about the entirety of the Dynamite recap, including the New Japan show, when there is a special or a pay-per-view on late Sunday evening or Monday, or would you rather have two separate shows covering each of these programs so that it keeps the Dynamite fresh, we get it up a little earlier if it's if it's Friday, Thursday night, Friday, and then we're kind of able to do the new, new beginning show, for example, we'll get that up on Sunday night or Monday. That way it's two separate entities because now this won't get up until tonight, maybe even tomorrow, depending on how the tech works. And is it going to be too long out of the Dynamite for your opinion? Or your, you know, if you, if you want to listen to it for your intrigue? I know the new beginning thing is brand new, so you want to listen to that, but... The dynamite part, it, it's kind of, should we do two separate shows? That's just a question I pose to you guys. Yeah, please, please let us know. I'm going to pose a question on Twitter, too, so you can feel free to respond directly to the tweet. But what we're thinking of doing, as Rich just laid out, is doing our weekly recap, probably dropping on Fridays, covering any New Japan, maybe Road 2s or just news in general shows and, then, and, and news that air during the week and then doing a separate pay-per-view special even for AEW shows yeah for AEW we'll do a separate pay-per-view special so like we did with full gear we'll do the same thing for revolution but it, it's up to you guys if you would like that because that way it kind of keeps the dynamite fresh on your mind before the new japan comes because now we're so many days out you're gearing up towards the new dynamite let alone the old dynamite so yeah you guys let us know it's what we've been thinking. Maybe we'll just do that, two separate things. 
we don't want to put overload you with content. But right. Again, we try trying. to keep it short. This one's not going to be short. So we try to keep it a little shorter. So yeah. But with that. Well, before we even dive into New Beginning, quick touch here. The Gorillas of Destiny reclaimed the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships at the Atlanta show, the New Beginning USA. Which is odd in general. I mean, I I thought that they established Finn Juice for the reason of establishing another tag team, yet they take the title belts off of them again. Again, it's nothing against G.O.D., but... It gives them another reign. Sure, but it's more like... Now you're you're like kind of diluting your field a little bit. It's like you know you create and establish this tag team that wins the tournament, and they get the tag team championships to just drop them really quick, and now they fall into the abyss. Well, clearly, I think it's because there is a vendetta against God. They are winless at Wrestle Kingdom. But this all is, what, is this right. Is what you think? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is my theory. Yeah. Uh, but all is right in my world now. They have the tag titles back where they belong. And it looks like they're going to be facing the Golden Aces. Is that the, is that yeah, the team name? Yeah, Tanahashi and Ibushi. I, which, again, I wouldn't even be upset if they won the tag titles off of them. That's Gives Tanahashi something team. to do. I feel like Tanahashi hasn't done much in regards to prominent roles in New Japan in a minute. I think this would be really good for both of them. Bounce back. Because Naito right now has got a whole new plethora of individuals he has to work with before he can go back to the well. So why don't you give them something to do? And even if Gorilla's Destiny gets the belts back from them, it, it you know puts over G.O.D., over Tanahashi and Nabushi. That'd be huge. Hell yeah. That's a very talented, accomplished team right there. So, new beginnings. You have a lot of these tag team matches. Uh, it was good to see, like, Nakanishi. I mean, he's going to be stepping down soon, so he's in there. They kind of honored him a little bit. You have an eight-man tag match with Tanahashi, Ibushi, Finn Juice versus G.O.D., Chase Owens, and Yujido. So, I mean, obviously, that that's one of the ones, again, it, it doesn't... it They don't really matter. It's not filler, but they're not really... They don't matter for any purpose, but... Just advancing story. But you had a very good match for the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships which was Sho and Yo versus Kanemaru and El Desperado, which was much better than I expected it to be because I didn't think, and no, no knock against Kanemaru, I wasn't really impressed with him during the Super Junior Tournament last year. And I thought this was his best match in a while, and this match was really good. The Super Juniors are so good. Oh yeah, Super Juniors are really good. This match, since this was a pay-per-view, I'm gonna, we're going to give it a star rating for this segment here, and I'm going to give this a four-star rating. I mean, Rapungi 3K is great. I, You know, watch this match. You'll enjoy it. It goes on. They set up for Taguchi and Rocky versus Sho and Yo now. That is going to be awesome. I think so. I've talked before about the, the Taguchi versus Yo match and the best of the Super Juniors and that that teacher versus student storyline and now and it's both teachers versus students amazing it's a it's a perfect story um both those guys can still go definitely hell yeah and their i their matches were great in the best of the super juniors taguchi came out and i was like okay <laughs> taguchi's here all right and he comes out with a basketball and a headband this guy's an and i'm like okay i guess like we'll see what happens and then you know he ends up Basically issuing a challenge to to show and yo and asking Rocky to join his side, and I I was immediately pumped. I don't know when it's going to yeah. happen, but I think that is going to be a banger of a match. I think the match is going to be very good. Yeah, 
that was one I would say to take a look at for New Beginning. It had a good story to it. Okada and Osprey tagged against Taichi and ZSJ. Zack Sabre Jr., which was odd for me. I don't this like mid-card tag irrelevant Okada. This is no good. This is very not good. So Gato's got to figure this shit out. This is no good. This is no good. Figure this out. Do something else. Do, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do, but just do something other than this. Don't like this. Don't like irrelevant Okada. This is no good. No good. You had Jay White and Sonata, which I thought was a very solid match. Another four-star matchup. Again, I like both these individuals. I like Sonata. And this is where you want to talk and touch upon the odd, almost irrelevant booking of Sonata. Yeah. So th- there's something about Sonata that I just do not love as like a, a wrestler, as a, as a character. He just doesn't... Exude charisma? It's not that. Like, you're a big Sonata supporter. You like him a lot. I, th- I think his character's cool. His look is cool. His attire is cool. There's just something about him that doesn't click with me. But he's extremely talented. It's not that I don't like his work. It's just, for some reason, he doesn't click with me. But I felt like this match was weird. Um, Jay White got off a lot of offense. Well, I think the character's changing. He's getting more confident, more aggressive, less defensive. But still a very good defensive wrestler. He's becoming a complete package. He is the complete package. And I love Jay White. And this is not a... This is nothing to do with Jay White himself. I thought he was fantastic. He hit a deadlift German, which is my favorite move in all of Everybody professional does it, wrestling. Though, Everybody does it. Love it so much. Um, but I, I felt like Sonata was just getting dominated the whole match. And it almost felt like it was like he was being jobbed out. Sonata's like this. And, and this is the part that doesn't make sense is Kevin Kelly plugged, Sonata hasn't won a singles match since July. Sonata, right. who's like the arch enemy and almost closest rival to Okada outside of Omega. Who we're, competed we're, for the championship at Kings of Pro Wrestling, competed right? competed for the championship like four times this year. I know. And again, this is nothing against Omega, but he's kind of the closest rival right now, according to the story in New Japan, to Okada than anybody else. And yet, he doesn't win over anybody else, yet we're supposed to believe that he's still a very, very good wrestler and a main event level talent, yet he doesn't get wins, he doesn't stay relevant, he doesn't cut promos, he doesn't, it, it's, there's something about Sonata, that's why I said, if there is a guy who I think has a ton of potential, who's a great wrestler, has a great look, who could benefit maybe from coming to AEW and being put in a role like in the inner circle, where he's kind of tasked at cutting promos and wrestling individuals, could be Sonata. And I think it could really help him out a lot. Because as much as Shinsuke was great there, Shinsuke is great everywhere, Shinsuke has such a unique character. He is such a broad spectrum of like what he can range to grasp. I mean, he's a comedy guy, he's a serious guy. And I think that coming here and working with like Sami Zayn right now and that type of thing, I mean, Shinsuke is pretty awesome. And Sonata can benefit so much, I think, from that in AEW with all that freedom and all those individuals trying to work with him. Like, imagine Chris Jericho and Sonata could have such a great back and forth. It would kind of draw it out. I mean, that's what it is. It's just... For sure, for sure. Um, again, it's it's 
nothing against Jay White. Give Jay White all of the wins. Um, I love the Bullet Club. I love everything that he's doing. I think that he should win all of his matches. But it, it, with Sonata, it's like it's almost like the best friends syndrome or the, the, the hybrid two syndrome where it's like, how can you take them seriously when they're not getting these wins? It's not even how can you, it's you're supposed to take him seriously, yet he doesn't win anything. Right. It's it's less about the hybrid too. It's kind of like you can't really take them seriously. They're not really booked very seriously, but they're good wrestlers and they should be taken seriously. And you know that there's just like so much potential, so much talent, but it's they do it in WWE all the time. Yeah, it's just you're right. it's just bad booking. How can you take Braun Strowman serious when he challenges everybody, loses all the time, and now he's got his first singles title ever? And it's it's just it's he was supposed to be the monster, man. He was supposed to do this, and this just it it failed. It failed to get over. And you're supposed to keep him relevant as a top guy, yet he can't beat anybody. And every program he's in, he loses. And Samoa Joe is like the same way. Every program Samoa Joe gets in, he loses. And Sonata, every program he gets in, he loses. Yet you have to respect him as this top wrestler, because he is good. But you can't. And yeah. you look at the booking and you kind of go, why is Sonata like this? And that, 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 that takes away a little bit from it. But yeah. otherwise, match was good, four stars. I enjoy Jay White. I enjoy Sonata. We didn't get enough evil at all. There was no evil on yeah. this show, and that's upsetting. No Ishii. No. But you're right. The Love those guys. The development of of Jay's character becoming the complete package. Yeah, yeah, and he's very confident. He's starting to almost get overconfident. Yeah, and he hit like a yeah. you know muscle pose and a too sweet to the camera. Basically, he looks really great. I mean, this is the best he's ever looked. He looks, oh, he fantastic. looks fantastic. Yeah, How so, do I get abs like Jay White? Uh, exercise. I do exercise. I do red hot core all the time. Let's go to the gym. Red hot core. That's fifteen um, minutes. Let's put in like fifty. That match was very good, and then we rolled into Ryu Lee and Hiromu Takahashi, the junior heavyweight title. Yes, we did. And that match was nuts. That's a five-star match. That match that is was nuts. crazy. The Super Juniors, first of all, Dragon Lee, formerly known as Dragon Lee, Ryu Lee, is out of his mind. Out of his mind. He's reckless because he's young still. He's stupid He's invincible. Good. He's yeah. like Osprey, where they think that they can do anything. And... This is a rivalry that's been built for years. It was a really, really good match. It's a five-star classic. Again, the Super Junior matches, man. Holy shit. They have the best talent and workers. You want to watch pure workers. Pure individuals beating the living shit out of each other. You watch the Super Juniors. And these two put on a great show at New Beginning. I, I don't even... It's, it's Watch it. Yeah, it's I was going to say, I can't even... I can't even explain it. Um, it was intense. There was so much action. There was so much story. I know uh, we were all afraid because of uh, Hiromu Takahashi's neck and, and the story there with, with him and Ryu Lee. Um, suspenseful and really fun to watch. You have to watch it if you, if you haven't seen it. I mean, we can't really put into words what happened. Then we had Minoru Suzuki versus the Death Rider, the Moxman, for the IWGP US Championship. Which is probably the most anticipated match of the evening. The morning. This was everything I could have asked for. It was what it was. I thought this was so much fun. I had a blast Definitely watching fun. it. 
Minoru Suzuki was literally smiling the whole match. And that... They enjoyed working with each that other. That made had me a so a happy because you can feed off of that energy. And <laughs> Suzuki, you know, is, is throwing forearms at Mox and, and in between his his grimaces, you know, he's just sitting there smiling because he just seemed to be enjoying himself that much. And I thought that they worked really well together, um, mocking each other with, with the yells and the wiggles and, and the dancing around the ring. And, and, and just, I thought this was a blast. Yeah. It's a four star match. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it is what you get out of it. The shots were vicious on occasion. Uh, the, they had a bunch of hardcore spots. The chair shots were great. He focused on the elbow. Suzuki is no slouch. Oh, no. And it culminated in a Moxman win and a Zack Sabre Jr. run-in. Yeah, because Suzuki Goon has it out for Mox. And I want to watch that 0% with that wiggly fuck. That turned me off. Well, it looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. But that's not the end of Suzuki Goon. No, so, I mean he's rolling through Suzuki Goon. So Taichi's next. Taichi's next. <laughs> after, after um, fucking Taichi. After ZSJ, and then what does that leave us with Doki? That would be cool. <laughs> I don't Doki and Mox could like that fuck would, each other up, that man. Would be a hell of a match. Don't actually. don't sleep on Doki. I mean, people sleep on this guy. I like Doki. He was no, like a late-minute substitute last year for the best of the Super Junior Tournament. Him this guy and Renarita, was and they good. fucking kicked ass oh, like, yeah. the entire tournament. And Doki's, every time he would just get a yell, I'm getting a fucking weapon. I don't give a shit about this match anymore. And I'm like, that's you know that's what? great. Him and Mox would put on a yeah. hell of a match. It's good shit, man. It's good shit. So are we don't ending, sleep on Doki. Are we ending with Doki or are we ending with Taichi? No, fuck Taichi. I don't want to watch anything with Taichi. <laughs> Okada's working with Taichi. This, uh, God damn it. This is bad. Stop this. Match was good, four stars. And then the main event, Naito, Kenta. A disappointing a little bit. Naito bled like. That was crazy. That yeah, happened he, so fast. Yeah, yeah. He bled like a monster, but it set up him versus Takahashi. He defeated Kenta. That match is four stars too. It was a good show, solid show. You got really good wrestling. Again, when you watch New Japan, you're going to get the best wrestling on the planet. Oh, for and sure. And all the matches are going to be really great wrestling matches, and they all were, and, and they were very unique. With Moxley being there, you're getting a totally unique match every time he goes out. Whether or not he's working with Juice Robinson, now he's working with Minoru Suzuki, it's unique when you watch him wrestle. They're hardcore matches, some are not, but it, it's really entertaining stuff. It's kind of like when Jericho works there, it was always kind of unique to see Jericho working. So Moxley's doing the best Moxley stuff he can do. I enjoyed the match with him and Suzuki. I enjoyed this main event with Naito and Kenta, but it didn't feel really like there was any chance of Kenta actually winning. The ending was good. I mean, it was a lot of the sequences, the kickouts and the reversals, but and a lot of, of course, the Bullet Club in and out and then LIJ fighting. So it's clear that the factions are feuding with one another, but it just never felt like it was actually going to be a title change, which kind of takes away from the drama. I feel so uneasy about the future of the Bullet Club right now. No, you don't. They're going to be around. No, okay. Sorry. Not the future of the Bullet Club. The future Jay of Jay White's White? future in the Bullet Club. Because Bushi tried to kick the shit out of him? No. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's been kind of leading for him to get, like, exiled. Well, I think 
you see that because, for one, Jay White hasn't won a lot. So it's kind of he's getting more egotistical, more arrogant, more cocky, but not delivering for the Bullet Club. And you have Kenta, who's advertised, he's got the fangs, I mean, it's the whole thing. Kenta could kind of start to, you know, take some power there. And maybe that could be the descent between the two of them. They're both stars. I mean, Kenta's a huge star. So Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Maybe he would be the one to overtake the, the Jay White. But I don't know. I'm just uneasy there. So with that, I didn't do it last week because we had the Jericho's, but I have a flashback match. The segment has returned. And the match that I wanted to highlight since we were talking about the Super Juniors was WWE SummerSlam 2002. I believe it was the first pay-per-view of the WWE era out of the Federation era. And it was Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. WWE SummerSlam 2002. You can check it out on the WWE Network. Rey Mysterio versus Kurt Angle. It was a very unique matchup. Very underrated it's not a long match. It really highlights Rey Mysterio coming out. Kurt Angle, of course, is his Kurt Angle best. And it's a really, really good matchup because, again, these guys, Super Juniors, I want to categorize him in the Super Juniors, even though he was able to kind of step out of that shell and become a heavyweight champion. At the time, he was still a cruiserweight. But it was such a great match, and, and those individuals tore it up. They opened the show at SummerSlam, and totally worth the watch. So check that out. Flashback match. Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, SummerSlam 2002. And with that, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's recap. As Rich had mentioned, let us know what you think about the breaking up of the the New Japan versus AEW recaps. If you want to see more episodes, if that's going to be easier for you guys to listen to, just give us some feedback. We're We're trying to do what's convenient for us in terms of recording and getting this out as soon as possible but also what's going to work for for you in, in terms of listening so definitely keep us posted there yeah if you'd much rather listen to the dynamite recap if we had do have a new japan pay-per-view on its own earlier than the pay-per-view so we're not waiting this long to get the show from new japan let us know because we'll do it that's easy everything that's best for you guys truthfully it's about you you guys are the ones that want to listen at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter. We have an Instagram now. At Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram. Dojo and Dynamite at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, feedback, as always. And answer your questions. I mean, we answered your questions. You asked for our opinion. What's your opinion on the same questions? You know, JRJ, like, what, do you think it's time for Riho to drop the belt to Nyla Rose? You know, just as an example, like, what do you guys think after we answer it? Let's keep the conversation going. Absolutely. That is what we're here for. And on that note, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys later this week.